0: Hi, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan. Yep. And we welcome um, to the studio for the first time ever. I don't want to butcher your name. We've been going back and forth, like trying to get it right. I've heard you personally say it in a video so many times. Is it pronounced Alok?
1: Yes. There you yes. go. <laughs> you know, it's because uh, here I usually would say Alok, right? Yeah. But if you say Alok, in brazil's like south america people wouldn't really relate to it because there's aloki so that's why i try to push alok everywhere so we get at least one kind of you know pronunciation
0: yeah, your heritage is pretty wild like correct me if i'm wrong but it is brazilian and indian correct
1: yes actually my alok name is indian name it came from a guru called Osho. Know if you heard about it, but there's even a documentary on netflix called wild wild country which uh my mom and my dad they went there and they got this name for me and for my twin brother so i am alok my brother is baskar and my sister is jaya they're all indian and uh, the second name is um i mean and then it's a a whole mess (laughs) but they have a lot of you know lebanese and italian and portuguese a lot of things going on
0: okay so you're a twin yeah did your twin have any musical talent?
1: Yes, actually we started to perform together. We started to produce and DJing together. Um but in some moment we kind of um separated.
0: What what happened?
1: <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you, he got married with a girl that she said that she didn't want to be married with a DJ. She wanted someone to have a proper routine. So he kind of abandoned it for one and a half year and then he broke up with her and then he <gasps> went back and she became a DJ by the end of oh, the no Wait, wait. Hold on. We're going to unpack the living <laughs> no. shit out of that one.
0: Okay. So you're making music with your twin brother. Because there is a really cool story. Like, your parents were DJs.
1: Yes. They're still DJs.
0: I mean, your parents were, like, generationally historic DJs that, like, like, going back 30 years, like, before you were born, set up some of the original music festivals in Brazil. That's right, right?
1: Yes. So basically... My parents, they've been performing for the last 30 years as a DJs, And it it was like, in the past, it was something so different. Like, I remember in school when they asked, what do your parents do? I said, like, they're DJs, and people really didn't understand at all. What does DJ (laughs) do? And, um, but nowadays, it changed the whole mindset about it. But what happened was, basically, I went to Amsterdam with my mom and my twin brother. My parents, they were separated since I was four. And, um as we were like illegal uh the first three months we were like um we had to quit the house that we were renting and then we went to a place where you can occupy which like is a sc- called squat if you have a place abound in more than five years and yeah, half yeah. time you can occupy it so we we were living in a very like international community in a hospital, a abandoned hospital. You squatted in a hospital? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we lived there for a while. So I I went to Amsterdam from from five until eight and a half, nine almost, and um, it was good because I had the freedom to be whatever I wanted to be. You know, like I never had this kind of rules in the society. I didn't have this pressure, so I would live in like a hippie community, and I could just you know just be creative and do what I want to do and I was looking like my mom performing and stuff so I started to get this interest my mom used to work as a cleaner in a club called Trans Buddha which used to play Psytrance it was very kind of um, famous at the, at the moment so that when all started and in the back like in the back like you couldn't really Get music easily. You had to buy the venues and <laughs> stuff. So they had this asset, and they brought to Brazil, and they started the movement in Brazil. So they're the pioneers of the side trans scene in South America. Yeah. Wait,
0: holy shit! So your mom being a cleaner at some club <laughs> in another country, yeah, that's what in, like she you brings that over to Brazil, yeah, and that's what ends up changing everybody's life, pretty much. <laughs> but she discovers that while well, you're squatting in a hotel, no, a hospital. The, 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 I'm sorry. Hospital? Yeah, squatting in a hospital, not a hotel.
1: <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat the question? So,
0: so she she discovers this type of this type of music while you're yeah, between yeah. five to eight years old.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: How does she? How does she know that this could be something? Is actually, is
1: she- I I I ask this my I ask myself this every day because it's such a different kind of music, you know, and the side trends, and it was very underground. It was really like a counterculture. And I remember that when they were trying to do parties in Brazil, they played the song and people were just like getting away of the parties because it was too heavy. But you know, they felt part of a movement, you know, that were happening in Europe, and they felt like very, I how can I say, in love with this movement. So they kind of found themselves, I think, and that's what they believed in it. That they started to do in Brazil, and my dad runs nowadays. The biggest festival in South America of Citrus, which is like eight days of nonstop party. Holy shit. On the beach. It's like Birdie Man, but with no sunstorm on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the beach. It's super nice. It's super underground. It's different, you know.
0: So you grew up in this hippie community, yeah. very free. Yeah. I'm assuming, yes. like, growing up, you're not attached to materialistic things.
1: You know, when I was 12, Actually everything started to change because I, I went back to Brazil and then I went to school and then that moment I just realized that everything I've learned was kind of different from what is um usually like what our society asks us to, to be. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like so I felt I have to be inside a box because I wasn't being very kind of I don't know, acceptable by everyone. So I started to kind of avoid my sense you know and where I came from to fit to this society and it wasn't it was a nightmare it was tough like to understand you know that actually was not it wasn't something wrong with me it's just like sometimes if you don't fit in the world maybe you come here to create a new world at least for you you know and um and at some moment I also wanted to abandon everything because like living through art is so complicated sometimes you don't have stability, you don't have the salary, so the financial problems come like, and I was looking the world around me, like my parents and everyone just like having so much financial problems. And I said like, I don't want to do this. Like I want something that's stable. And my dad told me something that I said like, okay, fine, you can do your decision. But if I had your talent, I would be like way bigger than who you are. So he kind of challenged me and I said, okay, fine. I won't give up, but I will do what I want to do and not what you want me to do. I don't want to do side anymore. I want to do house and pop. And I create Alok. Oh, shit. Which is my name. Because beforehand was Logica, a project with my twin.
0: So you, do you feel like you had to convince your parents to let you do a certain yes. genre of music that wasn't what is, like, you know, <laughs> yes. within your DNA or bloodline?
1: I think my dad, he only... Um, liked my facebook page after 2 years <laughs> 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 when i proved myself and uh but i'm joking I, I mean at least he he always supported me you know to to be a dj even though it was something complicated sometimes understand but he was so big a big support he and my mom of course they still perform it, it's it's fun it's 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 crazy like um <laughs> i play with them sometimes like um, at the festival that my dad does And they're, like, younger than I, you know? (laughs) I feel that, like, my dad, nowadays, he just did a huge tattoo on his head. What? what is it? (laughs) He's 52, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So He's crazy. (laughs) Yes.
0: So, but what do you take with you from that genre and the music you used to make with your twin that you apply to the music you're making and releasing now? Which, by the way, you have hits under your belt, dude. Like, a a lot of them. And, like, 22 (laughs) million-plus monthly listeners. Like, your stats are insane, your sets are crazy, and the retention on <laughs> your sets is through the fucking roof. Yeah. So what do you take from that genre that you still apply today?
1: I think what I take most is, like, the experience that I had when I was performing at genre for a long time. I've been in the world for the last 20 years. And even though, like, I'm 31, it's because I started very young, you know, since I was 11. And I think it's more about the experience, you know, because on the sound design, I don't really use much what i used to produce in 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 the past you know it's it's different but it's more about like you know in the end i know i don't know everything that i want but i know what i do not want Mm. and that's a good way to do it you know so yeah it's all about experience in the end you know what i had experience in the past
0: no that that's and by the way like that's your best meter you, of judgment you know gauge.
1: you it, it, it's like I think the biggest lesson is like when I was performing side turns I used to be very I was I used to criticize everything and everyone because I was like on the ground and um like DJs that go on the stage and get the microphone what the fuck you know what I mean like, this is too cheesy and suddenly I was on the stage getting the microphone <laughs> so as much as you judge the world is the way that the world will judge you back so when you stop with the judgments you just become free you know to be whatever you want because if you don't judge uh, djs that get on the stage and use the microphone it doesn't matter if you do it because you don't feel that that's something wrong you get it
0: i totally get it but what happens in your life where you let go of that judgment
1: and what? it's like I, I felt i was inside a prison that I was building my own prison, you know? And uh, I think that my creativity do not have to be inside the box. Yeah, you limited yourself. Exactly. If you ask myself what is my gender, what I play, I would say like, I'm a free spirit and I can be something different tomorrow. Because when I look back in 2019, for example, like before the pandemic, I just can't find myself. It's so different. And it's good because in the end of the day, if I didn't change anything from the last four years, something wrong had happened with me, you know? Because mm-hmm. I really believe that who survives are not the strongest ones. Like the dinosaurs are gone.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: are the ones who adapt themselves better. Totally. With the circumstances. I'm always trying to adapt myself.
0: What are, you, what are you adapting to? What you think the audience wants or what you feel like you need to do?
1: I feel that it's a mix between what is hyping at the moment i will give you an example i don't know if you're a fan of edm but yeah. edm like this kind of big um bounce and be like very aggressive edm is not working anymore on the so if you start to push something that's not really working anymore it doesn't make sense you know what i mean like you have to understand what's on the flow. however you have to do something that is different Maybe people know what they want to listen, but they also n- don't know yet what they want to listen. You know what I mean? Totally. It's kind of like, if everyone is doing something, you have t- t- to get away of that because that will be something very genetic. So it's like, understand what's going on and try to adapt yourself like with something that has personality. Because in the end, there's so many producers, so many DJs, so many music going on. If you don't have something that brings identity, you know,
0: you, you're you hit on something really important, which is like you have to kind of be ahead while still being in step with like where the people are going. So what are you what are you hearing now?
1: Uh, <laughs> so at the moment, I, you know I listen to everything to be honest, but at the moment, I'm listening a lot like Afro House but i don't do Afro house at all <laughs> it's just like something you know you know what inspires me like it's not only music but it's like sometimes a trip sometimes a story sometimes well, what do like, you think
0: the people want
1: well if i knew it <laughs> i would only do hits and i don't do hits only like i, I try hard to it but it's complicated <laughs> like but i th- i i feel that what people want is something um less aggressive you know something that people can hear on the car on the, sp- on the you know on, on the, like on the car on if like a private party in your house and also in a party you know what i mean like something that can go in different atmospheres
0: are you surprised with the success of deep down
1: can i be honest yeah I don't.
0: no <laughs> <laughs> so there was a strategy at, at, was there a strategy going into that session?
1: I'll explain it. It's just because it does. It feel like I'm a bit arrogant, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's just like why I knew it would going to be a success. Because like I don't have this feeling for most of my songs, okay? But when I started to produce this one with Aira, we were inspired by the original one, and then it was there. Like, and then after it started to trend on TikTok, a viral video using the original with like of mashup. And it was blowing up on TikTok. So I could see on the data that people were really enjoying that. So we adapt our song with this TikTok viral trend. We brought the guy that created this the, 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 the trend on TikTok and we brought him inside the song as well. So he released it with me. So I knew it would work because we had the data.
0: Okay, so explain that to me. You see the sound blowing up so do you reach out to that guy quickly and say yeah. yo let's do let's make this into a real song together Actually, I say
1: like listen I have the rights of it I was releasing another version with El era oh. but the, the idea that you did is super cool I think it will get way better the song like we're using this idea so, so you already had the rights to it yes because I was doing it beforehand oh wow and uh, it, it, it it's it, it kind of blowed up in the same moment <laughs> So I just had to make sure that I was going to use what the guy did at the very beginning of the of the song so that people would catch it. So that's why I'm not surprised.
0: Fucking genius.
1: But he had, like, I think only 20 seconds of song, you know? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, he didn't have the music. He had only, like, a trend.
0: That's, I mean, the record's huge. But also, like, Hear Me Now. Mm. Massive too.
1: Yeah. That's... This one I didn't know that it was on it at all. Like it's fun. Like <laughs> I was living the prison of my mind. That like I thought that this one was too indie, too commercial. So I performed it in Tomorrowland and I didn't play it because I was like, ah, maybe it's too. Late. And then um, in the end, I said like, you know what? I want to do what I believe. So right. So I released this one with Bruno Martini and Ziba, and it changed my whole career because it gave me a lot of visibility, you know, I mean, outside Brazil.
0: Would you credit that song with at least helping you be able to, like, pave a path in this whole new genre of music?
1: Absolutely. It's really because it's, for us as Brazilians, it's very hard to cross the barriers, you know? We feel that, you know, we have this perception that we are inferiors all the time, and everything that's good it comes from outside. This is something that's kind of in our collective mindset in Brazil and um which
0: is kind of bullshit by the way
1: because yes it's you, it does it's not there's not like more or less developed culture it's different values you know and goals and it, I mean we have some very amazing stuff in Brazil that you know it's unique over there
0: uh some of the biggest DJs in the world for years have looked to places like Brazil for inspiration on how to craft their own records and like we've had DJs sit on our like people like Diplo Tiesta Guetta. <laughs> heard of them and they all look to kids in their fucking basement in places like brazil crafting records and like uploading them to a very small group of people and they use that for inspiration
1: yeah they really do it, it's also because like you, you think about south america um i don't like i don't see brazil as like south america we see like brazil is isolated because we have our uh. own language which is different from the whole south america which is spanish and we speak portuguese so we kind of have our very unique culture style. and if you think about it the data is very impressive like 93 percent of the songs that we listen in brazil are actually local songs
0: that's amazing
1: it is amazing but as you see like what happens in the globe does not necessarily get inside our country it's very close and the opposite is true as which well.
0: but which by the way is why western artists listen there And pull inspiration from there because I think there's a really, there's like a distance between the two, to prove your point, right? (laughs) Yeah. What is made there doesn't get here and what's made here doesn't always penetrate
1: brazil doesn't know in brazil specifically is it's quite harder Uh. but we still have this seven percent of revenue there (laughs) and it's fun because i'm competing with the seven percent in my country because i do songs in english most of them like 99 percent of it but we we feel that you know we need this kind of representativity outside our country so when hear me now blew it up in the world it was like, okay, now, yeah, so this is a Brazilian artist. So we started to get, like, it's kind of like, you know what I mean, right? We feel included with oh, something. Yeah. So it was important for me in, in my country and, of course, outside as well.
0: It's really validating.
1: Yeah, it's valid, exactly. That's the word.
0: Is it weird to be a one hippie that now flies on private jets? <laughs>
1: Uh it's it's um, like I mean <laughs> like that's like really different. I don't it like, you know. It is it is different. But I don't know
0: if that like where that falls on like the hippie playbook.
1: The, you know that the, the the private jet it's something that's more about like well convenience? N- nah. <laughs> it's uh, like Probably. it's necessary to make it happen, the in logistic wise. No, I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for example, I had a radio accident on a on private jet. And um if you search on Google, I mean, it's good that y- you put the image at least so that people know that what I'm talking is true. But if you put in Google, a look, uh, um, uh, plane accident, you'll see it. And at that moment, like, I, I rather not to fly in private jets. I rather to fly in big ones, you yeah, know, yeah, because I kind of program. create this, yeah. So I use it. As, oh my god, I remember this. Yeah. Whoa! I do remember this. Okay, it was me. Wow, that's right.
0: That's I'm so sorry. No worries. That's really traumatizing and really frightening.
1: It it it's traumatizing, but the same way it's also a bless, you know, because I'm here. Yeah. and um, I also realize a very important point, which is there's no tomorrow, really, you know. Like when you pass through this kind of um, situations, you realize that. It can be everything so fast and we always try to program stuff for the future, but we have to really be here at the present. And this is kind of like a guru saying, but when you have this experience, it's so true. You know, it's like, it's all we have actually. It's now. Yeah.
0: I mean, that changes everything.
1: It changes. Your
0: entire outlook.
1: How long does it take before you get back on a private jet? The next day. You had to. I had to. I was trying to understand what happened, you know, like, and after that, I went, like, always on all every flight, I was just nearby the, the commandant, the, the, commandant uh, the pilot. Yeah, right? the cockpit. Yeah. And I was just trying to understand what was going on, and I understood that what happened in mine was a human fail. Really? It was a human error? Yes. And I'll explain you why. It's, it's actually very simple to understand. It's like, the pilot didn't want to say no to me because he didn't want to lose his job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, like, I bought the jets Friday and had the accident Sunday. So he was trying to prove himself to me. And the problem about this aviation is, like, is that when you do not follow the protocols.
0: Oh, yeah, you can't skip a single step because that one step has a chain reaction that could literally kill people.
1: And he skipped, like, four steps. What? Yes. So basically, there was a lot of steps that he skipped. and. (sighs) not to lose the job and to not to say no to me. And I would never, like, I, I maybe <laughs> I would fire him. No, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, even yeah, safety
0: is, over schedule every time.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like I remember once that I was going to get a helicopter to a party and then I asked the pilot, like, listen, is it okay to fly now? Like, I don't feel comfortable. He said, like, no. Yeah, it's okay. But he didn't, I wasn't confident with his answer. Yeah. So I said, I don't want to do it. And then after five minutes, they're like, yeah, it's the best decision.
0: So what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my God. That's terrifying.
2: <laughs> Same thing that happened to Kobe Bryant. It was pilot yeah. error. Yeah. Yeah, the Kobe Bryant incident. Okay. Yeah, it was pilot error. Well, it was yeah. too cloudy and the pilot shouldn't have been flying, but he was afraid to say no. Mo-
1: most of it, it's human error. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but in that moment, pilots, hello, you are the person in power. You have to decide. Like you are the expert in this field. Like you should never, ever, ever look to anybody else besides your own judgment and gut to determine whether or not a, a, an aircraft of any type should be up in the fucking air. This That's is, crazy.
1: It's crazy, and you said it like it's perfect. And I remember that I was once on a group therapy, and there were a pilot there. And he was expressing himself how hard it is to say no to his boss. And he was trying to create a movement where they could say no to the bosses because they were afraid of losing the job. If
0: if, if it's a life or death decision, you always should be honest and lead with what is going to keep souls alive. Oh, my God. This is crazy to think about and gravely terrifying. And to be honest, I have friends who are very afraid of flying on private jets because of this reason because when it's a commercial aviation uh, thing, there's a lot of oversight and an intense set of protocols. And like, you can't skip sets uh, steps because there's like a dozen eyes watching you,
1: you know? Exactly. Exactly.
0: Damn. That's absolutely terrifying. So do you own a jet? Like what's your deal? I got, yeah. So,
1: so nowadays I rent cause, um, I used to have a, a jet now in the pandemic, but, um, I'd sold it during the pandemic because yeah. it didn't make sense to be like holding yeah. stuff like <laughs> in the garage. And um, nowadays it's better because um, it's kind of, I'm not, I'm always traveling all over. Mm-hmm. So the jet that I had was a small one that couldn't be doing co- intercontinental. I so it. it's good that when I'm in places I rent and I don't yeah. have the problem with pilots, with <laughs> insurance with anything. It's just like, when it's necessary, I do it.
0: But is it weird to be so rich, but also to still have hippie values? <laughs> uh,
1: it's, uh, you know what's the good part of having money, in my opinion? It's I don't consume much material. Like, I, I don't have much stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I have... No, just a private jet. When you no, no, but this is because I'm it kidding. was necessary to I make know. it happen, you know? Like, of course, I wanted the best for my family, but it's kind of, like I think the best part of it is just not to be um worried worried about some small things you know it's just like about the energy that it flows better like beforehand i had like i had to think so much before spending anything in my whole life like for for 25 4 years it was hard everything like even to get a cab to the airport it was hard to get a bus because it was like you know what i mean like everything yeah, it. so it's like no today i'm going to get the Private uh, driver to the airport, and that's it. So th- th- this is the flow for me, you know, because most of the money what I do is I invest in uh, philanthropy and, and I invest on my career. Yeah. So if you as I, you know what I mean. My money is really like where where I think it should be.
0: Yeah, it's in making more money through your career and giving it away to people who deserve it or places that deserve it. Pretty sick.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, f- f- I I didn't had this. Um, I, I wasn't really into philant- philanthropy in the past because, as I said, like I had just to survive every month, so I didn't think about how can I, like, help other people. I need help, <laughs> but um, I also felt that felt like if I was getting money, I just why don't I buy a Ferrari and you know just like be happy because this is the way the society is built, right? Yeah, it's, success society is all tells about you about having a good car and whatever and at some moment in my life I had um kind of the money the visibility you know and I felt a huge emptiness inside myself I felt like something was wrong so first of all I went to a very isolated indigenous tribe in Brazil which was like two f- three f- Two flights, 13 hours in a road, and nine hours in a canoe. <laughs> and the I finally fly. got there, spent 10 days with them. I was looking for inspiration, so it was very important for me. And then after that, I went to Africa to a project that a friend of mine, he was, like, working on it for a few years. They had 300 kids in the period. And I remember that I saw an old lady, and she was tying her stomach for three days not to feel hungry. And then she said like, ah, oh, I was praying for God. And she was blind of two eyes. I was praying for God for someone to come here and help me. And I told the translator, said, listen, tell her that God doesn't exist. And if he existed, why would she be in this situation? Why would have poverty. Like he abandoned her. And then she translated. And the women just said, no, no, no. I was praying to God and I heard him and blah, blah. And that moment I realized that I was the biggest miserable there because I had everything and I was complaining about the divine, but she was way more connected than I. And I realized that God never abandoned her. Who abandoned her was us. Look back at the history. I don't know, look, what oh, we did. Oh, fuck yeah. And I knew that I couldn't change the world, but I could change their world. So we started to raise money for this project. And today we have 20,000 kids. It was And these women, you have a picture on the internet as well. We brought her to the doctor and she had cataract. Oh my God. So, so now she can see the most basic,
0: easy exactly. surgery. There's like incredible like- amounts of blind people in Africa and all they need is a surgery that will literally take eight minutes and barely any money. And it, it's very hard to get doctors just to go over there to do it. That's wow.
1: After one year, I went back there and she could look at me for the first time. So it was magic in this moment. And you know what was very interesting about what, just one thing quickly, like she said like she was very happy because someone was feeding her every day, like with food, but she had the most importance that someone were going there every day. So that could fill her soul having human contact because she was very isolated.
0: You make a really good point in terms of like we, people, society, Western cultures, we have forgotten about, people who are in need, but yet faith belief in the divine is what actually keeps them going in the worst possible circumstances. Absolutely imaginable. Can you see her faith play out in reality? Because you did show up there and you showing up there, you didn't have to go there. The chances of you being there slim to none. The chances of you meeting her while you're there also slim to none. So the fact that you meet her and you build a relationship with her that then re- results in her being able to eat, but then also being able to see there was an action that is larger than both you and her in that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's just like at that point, I changed her life, but she changed it my whole life forever. Because I started my institute, I started to think about philanthropy, I, I found the meaning of my life, and I started to work hard for it. And it's kind of like everything in my life had the reason and that emptiness that I had beforehand, which was driving me to depression, it was gone because I found it, you know, what could feel it. So it, it was a very interesting, um, you know, match that we had. And I'm she very prayed grateful. for that
0: match to happen. She prayed for somebody to enter her life.
1: Yes. I mean, it's... And I also, I, I and I was also praying to God to prove me that He exists.
0: And do you think He does after that moment? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I have no doubt. I, I was a few, and I was a very, very like strict one. Uh, and um, it's just because, like, for me, I have so much, so many evidence in my life mm. that it's just it just proves me, but. I don't want to talk about like what is what is my perspective, uh, my perspective about God, because you get into a place where it's religion and people have like it's my oh God is like no, yes but the and universe,
0: that. spirituality, energy, I Absolutely. mean they're all connected in some way, shape, or form.
1: Absolutely, and I know that the accident on the plane, I it had a divine interference because if you see the images, like if I had one more meter, I would have been dead. like it's That's not a lot about like. You know, like 100 meters or the, it's one meter. Yeah. If you see it, it's just like so impressive, you know, like I remember that when we had to get out of the jet, my security, my bodyguard, he jumped and he was like stuck in the trees because he jumped to the right hand. Uh, so he had to go to the left because we were just on the edge. So... I know that uh, if we had, uh, you know, divine, inter- um, how can I say, interference? Yeah, d- divine intervention. Intervention, intervention, oh, interference. Something. I'm sorry, but no, it's just, okay. Guys, you have to, you have to correct me, okay? <laughs> no. Please feel free okay. and comfortable to correct me.
0: By the way, I haven't forgotten about the fact that you had a twin brother whose girlfriend (laughs) broke up with him because he was a DJ and then becomes a DJ herself. (laughs) I can't, that's like, is that not hypocrisy? Like in like
1: personified? Like, holy shit. It is. It is. It's fun. I mean, like it's, it's like. That's nuts. It's nuts. But, you know. Um, <laughs> like, I'm I'm glad that at least he got back to to work <laughs> with music.
0: And is she like successful? No. Ah, yeah. Because when your intentions are <laughs> actually like grown in shit, they're going to be filled with shit.
1: <laughs> you know, me and my twin brother, we are very like we not like we are very different on physiognomy. If you look at me and him, I think I I look more like you than my twin brother, <laughs> but we are very kind of um, similar with many things and but we are so different in others like and there's a point with with my twin brother which was very kind of like i always had the impression that he was smarter than i that he was better than i you know like Mm. he was always better than me and was smarter and everything and um i was thinking like myself like like does he feel any bad feelings about I having success and he was like not having the same success and I was like having this in my mind because I thought that he would he was never kind of um how can I say recognition yeah he never
0: got the recognition
1: I I thought he was never recognizing me is that right oh he wasn't recognizing you recognizing I I thought he was not recognizing me I I thought I had this feeling that like if I'm doing something amazing, it's not because of myself. It's because I have a good team. It's because I have this and that. I had this feeling. And then he found those, like, last year, he found a hard drive of mine that was on, on my old house. And he started to listen to it. And it was, like, back 2010, something like that, when I used to have the project with him. And he found so many things that I never released. That I was just working on it. And he called me like very emotional, like say, "Listen, you are a genius. Like what you've done, it's amazing and stuff." So I'm like, okay, this hard drives means more for you than everything that I've conquered, because now you are really giving me the right. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you now you think that I ha- I'm capable of. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. But he was like, I never had this feeling. I think it's something in your mind, because I I was always like. Um, like how can I say um, celebrating with your yeah. success and he told me something like listen I would never like to be Alok because I'm not able to do what you are to become Alok mm-hmm. i I not I don't want to have your life because I know all the other side It's you know it's fun like there's a story where uh, there was a man and he was complaining to God that you know his um, how, say, how can I say like um Uh,
0: a crossfix. yeah his cross was too heavy oh yeah okay
1: and then he said like I want to change my cross too heavy too heavy and God said okay you can change come here and select another one so he looked around it was like many others way heavier than his and he saw someone smaller he said like but this is not so interesting so he found one He said okay I want that one this is amazing I want this one and God said okay you can take it but that's yours already so we always have this except that you know like um, s- someone's life is easier than ours or whatever it is, but you wouldn't be able to do what he does to be who he becomes. you know what totally
0: a hundred percent. so y- your brother having that conversation with you though must change your relationship because I'm assuming you're stewing on this idea of him uh, not recognizing you or showing you any sort of like, I don't know, thinking that everything but you is the reason for your success. Yeah, like like, but him having that conversation must change your relationship for the better, yeah.
1: It was um, awesome. I mean, it was very important for me. Uh, but for him, he was like, "No, look, you, I think you're tripping out. It's it's fine, you know." But I had this in me, yes. Yeah, and um, you know, like I was those last um, months, I was just kind of remembering my childhood and how hard it was with so many things with my parents, and I was comp- I was just complaining so much. Like, why my parents were not, like, different? Why I didn't have, like, a normal family? Why this and why that? And this was giving me some traumas, you know, nowadays. And then I did a therapy, a very deep therapy. And then at some moment, I was just with my eyes closed. And it came an image where I was playing poker with a lot of players. And I received two horrible cards. And I was like, fuck, how can I play? Like, How can I bet with those two cards? You know what? I won't give up. Let's do it. Whatever. So we started the game. And when I opened the five cards, I won. Yeah. I did the flash. Because it didn't mean that the card that you started with Is will resume you- the game. 100%. But what, like, the cards are open. And that gave the answer that I needed. Like, I can only be Alok because I had those parents. That- <laughs> you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter that it was hard in the beginning because... It was dementia to be like, I, I didn't give up. So the li- life was just conducting me to this place. You, you, know? play,
0: you played the hand that you were dealt to yeah. the best of your ability and it worked out. But yeah, that is fair to say that you can't, you, you, there's no way you'd be sitting here today if it wasn't for, for, for your me. parents and your brother and all the good and the bad, everything equal.
1: You Even know? though if it's, well, it was a weak card. Uh, it I mean? doesn't matter. Yeah, it was just the way you had to.
0: Fuck yeah. This is the handier dough. So,
1: with this image, I just solved all my traumas <laughs> and my childhood. Was and so now life crazy. is great. And, like, no, it, I mean, you know, it's just like starting to complain, and understanding, and just being grateful.
0: Hey Amen. What are you thinking?
2: What did you learn when you traveled to the Amazon rainforest? Because I saw the video of you working with some of the local people out there.
1: Yeah. So, basically, you know, once again, we have this like thoughts that they're more and less developed culture mm-hmm. and we are way more less developed than indigenous. So when I got there, I realized that this doesn't exist. What exists is different values and goals. And I learned so much with them because we are very disconnected with the nature. And they're so connected where like for us, we have the, like, the mindset that the forest stand is not productive. But for them it's everything it's not only like um their houses it's their soul the story and everything and it was very interesting as well because i was doing music to work on top 10 beatport that while they were doing music to heal people you know what i mean like i was like okay that's meaning way stronger than you know so there's a truth behind it so it was a life-changing and then i still got you know connected with them for a long time and then in 2021 i was in a ayahuasca um, ceremony but the, the uh, just a small decline like i do not recommend ayahuasca to anyone because it's just like ayahuasca is for everyone but not everyone is to ask for ayahuasca so it's just like something that you have to find the right place Do i'm not I'm not recommending to anyone. I'm just saying that. But for me, it was very powerful and it was amazing. So I had this, I was asking myself, like, where's the future? Where's the future? And came the answer, like, the future is ancestral. You know what I mean? The future is ancestral. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But when you mean ancestral, I was mean like about the the indigenous wisdom, you know, that they have with all this connection with um, the nature and everything because we're always talking about like how can we protect the forest but we're very disconnected with it and the best way to do it is to listen what the forest has to say and a good way to do this is through the indigenous because they are the real guardians of it if you think about it like five percent of the global population are indigenous okay and they protect 82 percent of the, the global Holy territories shit. but in Brazil it's even more, because in Brazil we have like it's a, a, mostly a, rainforest. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly like uh, we have a huge part of it so um at that moment i realized that i i wanted to collaborate with them and produce an album inspired by indigenous roots because i knew that i could be a platform for their voices to be heard and then what started with like it, imagine okay i having to get eight different tribes all over brazil to go to a studio in <laughs> the middle of the mountains but just, like, for oh. one of them to get to the nearest airport, oh, it's, it's almost two weeks of traveling. What? Whoa. Yes, why? There's no ground transportation. It's not, you have to be, you know, um <laughs> there was, like, um, two journalists that they were murdered in Brazil last year. Oh, my year. God, yeah. You remember yeah, Don yeah, yeah. Phillips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, one Brazilian, one, Eng- I think he was English. And they were traveling for 27 days. So it's nearby this place, okay? So imagine, like, Creating this whole logistic to everyone to be in the studio, and then suddenly you're in the studio with them, but to create something is just like crazy because like you put like a beat, but they don't have the the tempo. You know, it's yeah. it's different tempo. They start the music slow and then suddenly they're high and then they go back and then, because it's about waves and how the energy and the spirit is going. And I remember that they had like like their songs are like ten minutes long, forty minutes, long. and I remember that I say, "Can you do this part?" and then. And then he started to do, but I just needed like five seconds, but <laughs> I couldn't interrupt because I was <laughs> like, like, "Oh my god!" And then it was like it was it was amazing, but and it was a very unique experience, and we recorded everything, so we have a documentary going out as well of all this, you know, wow. this this yeah, and um, it had also like, yawana um, Wise tribe there. They they went there. And they started to sing a song for me. That there was a tribe that i went eight years nine years ago on amazon remember that when i was looking yeah. for inspiration and then i said like wow this song is amazing like when did you guys create this one because when i was there i didn't remember and then they said like uh, as we remember this one have five year, 500 years old what? Wow. so why they do not write anything all it's the passed, stories man? and culture and things is passed through oral yeah, it's yeah, by yeah. the songs so that's why it keeps the keeps their story for such a long time. Like it's through the songs. So I felt a huge responsibility, you know, to work in that one. And I did the work and it was amazing because it all started with this album, which was like I wanted to be a platform for their voices. And then suddenly we were opening the global um citizen ceremony. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like BTS, us and Elton John, like <laughs> And it was crazy because they had the protagonism, you know, they were like being heard, heard and they were like just singing. It was amazing. People were just starting to look at them like giving way more value to them because we always have that like, oh, indigenous is savage. Or, They're like naked in the forest. You know? But they are more than that. They're way more than that, you know. And indigenous can be whatever they want to be, you know what I mean? Like there, a friend of mine that I got from this tribe in Yawanawa, and now he's a politician, you know? Wow. And he's like, yeah. And he, and I, he, I, I paid for him like university and everything. So like, you know, <laughs> you, you can do whatever you, exactly. So we have so like great. so many indigenous in Brazil that, you know, there are kind of like living in cities and stuff. And it's, and I had the perception like, uh, if he's living in the city, he's not indigenous anymore. But they never had the choice. They had a tribe there and the city just took over took over and they're very kind of like vulnerable and bounden because they need like the way they were teach to survive was in different way like for example if you give a gift to indigenous after five months you go back there it's going to be with another one because they know the importance of the collective and they have to share to survive and everything when they go to supermarket and they're hungry in the city but they cannot get any food. And there's a lot of food there. They don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they have a different mindset about how to deal with the society that we are built. Up. So for them to be like in the middle of the city, like the way it is with their tribe is just, it's very sad, you know? And they have to adapt themselves. So I brought some of them that they, I'm seeing hip hop and it's amazing. So we did songs with hip hop, and we did a song with like. So we have Holy everything fruit. in the album. The album is very they like, have a lot of variety, and um. Oh. <laughs> this is Sorry, that's your song, and uh, <laughs> it's a very special project for me because. And then after that, we did uh, uh, We went to UN to perform as well because <laughs> we were having I did, they're having the the climate week uh, climate change week mm-hmm. to discuss about the climate week uh, the climate change. I said, okay, fine, you want to discuss about this, but we have to bring the indigenous here so that we, they can be heard, because mm-hmm. they're the ones who really understand about, like they oh. have the wisdom that we can collaborate, you know.
0: So, I mean, oh, this is pretty wild, and yeah. it very much proves, like, music is genuinely, like, not only a universal language, but, like, a vehicle for change and, like, understanding and breaking down stereotypes, the whole thing. Yeah clearly a responsibility behind the music you put out that you have how do you balance that though while also still crafting hits
1: so this album i'm not really thinking about a hit or to be streamable i'm thinking more about like how can i do a song which is important to the cause mm-hmm. and it's timeless like 500 years old come yeah. on you know what i mean what song survives for 500 years old and um and you know like if something happens with a song when it becomes a hit it's amazing but there's not something that I'm focused on you know what I mean because otherwise I would have kind of lose the essence of their culture you know so I tried to to be very honest with you okay I'm just (laughs) I tried to do something which is still pop you yeah. can still listen to radio stuff. If you go to YouTube, there's a performance that I did with three of the songs in the Global Citizen. So you can check more or less what's the style. There's a hip-hop one, and there's two more kind of like pop.
2: Is that when you're performing on the river?
1: Yes, Yeah. Okay. exactly. So the, the first song is uh, with the indigenous that took two weeks to get the studio at <laughs> uh, the nearest airport. The second <laughs> song is the Yawana Wabo, of 500 years old. And the third song is the one who lives in the city. He, he sings hip-hop so it's interesting this performance
0: so you really tried to take like turn these very different records mainstream
1: yeah and you remember what i told you like about being a free spirit and just like doing where i not not blocking my creativity Ah. so i could do everything on the studio was and you know what was the craziest part i did 10 songs in one month and this is insane it's very insane because like Usually sometimes I take one month to do one song, depends, you know. And it was like, but it was fun. It had like a a gregora. I don't know if that's this word in English as well. Egregora? No? Whatever. (laughs) It's like when you have have everyone in the same kind of vibe. And it creates a very nice atmosphere so everything flows better.
0: So... By the way, you have a really unique accent. It's like a combination no, 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 of no, no, different sorry. things. Like <laughs> it's partially in, I, Brazilian, I in, like I, Amsterdam, I, <laughs> and then like it's European.
1: Because I lived in London when I was um, doing the project with my twin brother, right, yeah. Bascar. We were living in London, so I went there because my music, my songs were performing well on Beatport. So we had offers to play, you know, like in Europe, but we only play side trans, remember? and then. Um, what happened was the opposite and you know any offer nothing really happened so I started to work uh I, I first of all I started to knock on all the doors of the clubs like minister of sound fabric and stuff like saying hey I'm a DJ from Brazil this is my CV blah blah <laughs> and no one answered I'm a member that I, a minister of sound was raining the guy just said like okay just put it here <laughs> And, uh, and last year I played there <laughs> sold out yeah. but it's like and I remember that I tried hard to do this kind of like I want to be DJ but it didn't work so uh, after that I remember that I was at the public phone and I saw a card like cocktails bar blah, blah. I say, you know what maybe not a DJ but maybe a barman <laughs> so I started to go on Google and uh, YouTube and see how you do cocktails and stuff <laughs> and I Change my CV for a barman. <laughs> I called. I put the phone of my my friend's phone in Brazil. Said if they call you, you tell that you know I have a lot of experience and stuff. So I started to drop my CV all over. I know. I know, London like everything. You know all the tube station everything. So I remember that I was in a bar and then the guy said, "Okay, I'm gonna give you an opportunity, but um, fill here 25 ml of vodka," and I put like 60. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy say, "Come on, you know." Like I said, "About in Brazil, we don't use this." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and then the guy say, "Okay, you can be a bar back," which is the guy that cleans. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you clean up the bar. Yeah, so I started. I started as a bar back, and uh, I got promoted. I, I'll tell you how. Uh, there was a day that I was working like for twelve hours, like it was very intense, and we were having like a house party in the pub. The pub is called the Prince Pub in in in, in London, in Brixton. And I used to, and they had, like, a club attached to it that opened every weekend. And I was working there, and I remember that the, the manager came to me and said, like, hey, do you like this style? I said, like, yeah, but not really. I like something more. And then he said, like, like Universo Parallelo, because this is the, my parents' festival. Because I was using the bracelet of my parents' uh. festival. So, like, yes, how do you know? I said, like, no, because, like, my friends all go there because there's a lot of foreign people going to festival. And um, I've heard a lot about it. It's nice, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to go someday. He said, okay, nice. And then he said, like, you wouldn't believe. So, like, you know who played here in London three months ago? He said, like, oh who? It's like, Logica, the sons of the owner of Universal Parallelo. <laughs> That's Do you know that? I said, like, yes, I know it's actually me. And then, and then he, he said, like, he called me, like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, what are you talking like, about? He said, he, at the first moment I, I felt that he was kind of, like, thinking that I was joking with him or something. Yeah. And then I said, no, it's me, blah, blah. I was like, this, I know, because... And then he said, like, yes, but what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, like, it's life. Can you, I, like, it's can wild. I help you with something? He said, yes, <laughs> can I be a barman? <laughs> <laughs> so I became a barman. And it, and it was funny because, like... A few days ago, I had to perform at a squad party in London because it's very common there, of side trends squad parties. And then I said, like, listen, I have to get out. I have to play three a.m. Can you, like, I, I have to leave now. It's like sure. So he went to the main management and said, like, listen, Alex not feeling so well, so he's leaving. And by the way, I'm not feeling so well, so so I'm leaving as well. (laughs) So we went together to the parties, (laughs) and he was there at the dance floor. He was a very nice Mexican guy, like he Latin vibe. So. He kind of got a very nice match with me, and then after that, um, I went back to the club already, to the pub already. The last time I was in London, and it's just the same. (laughs) It's that's wild. So, did
2: you ever use your parents to help get your foot in the door, or did you not want to like you kind of want to like not be associated with that? You wanted to create a name for yourself.
1: Um, The problem was that um, my parents; they're very solid Mm -hmm. on the scene. So everything that I was doing, people were just always comparing. Like, why don't you follow your parents? Why don't you do what your parents do? Like, You know, it was something that they're just putting pressure on me that I had to be like them. Mm -hmm. But the maximum that I could be would be like them. You know what I mean? And I want to be different. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I kind of had this, how can I say... um, I wanted to avoid mm-hmm. you're right yeah I never thought about it but yes
2: yeah you oh, want to yeah. make a name for yourself
1: yes exactly it's like beforehand it was like Alok the son of blah blah and now it's and Ekanta, the parents of Alok yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the side scene, scene are still legends <laughs> more than I am for sure like the side scene in Brazil they don't really like me <laughs> are your parents proud of you? sorry? are your
0: parents proud of you?
1: yes absolutely
0: do you absolutely. feel that
1: yes yes i feel a lot i feel that um i i what i feel about my 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 dad and specifically like my mom she's very proud but my dad he is like how can i say <laughs> sometimes i say that's less less that less <laughs> like i'm not everything you know why i'll tell you why i know why and I have image as well, so I have to share with you guys so yeah. that you people will believe in it. But my dad is a very big fan of the Rolling Stones and he had a band called The First Stone, okay? Based on Rolling Stones. And I was invited to be in a private party in Brazil for Mick Jagger. He was doing like a private party there. Because his son is Brazilian, right? He has a Brazilian son. And um, he was there about to see his son, to, he, to, his, to see his kid, but also doing this private party. So I was invited there. And then when I when I arrived in the party, when they opened the door, um, it went like a very big dog in my direction. But I realized it was not a dog. It was a um, goat. What? <laughs> yes. I do have image. I'll show sure everything. And then I swear, I saw just straight away a monkey carrying a llama <laughs> to my direct... I have image. I will show you guys. Okay, There's was a monkey and a llama? A monkey and a llama pushing the llama. And then I said, like, <laughs> what? what's going on? And then I was like, okay, this guy, the owner of the house, is kind of... He had snakes and a lot of animals and was like, zoo. And then suddenly someone said, hey, listen, uh, Mick I want to meet you. said, so, okay, fine. So I went there and... um, And I, I can be silly, but I didn't have this... I didn't know how big Mick Jagger was, you know. It's kind of another generation. You know? And then he started saying, oh, "Yeah, like my f- my my son really likes your stuff. It's so oh, amazing. My dad really liked your stuff because I was going to play in the party." And I remember that had a very big letter, like, "Do not play any Rolling Stone songs." <laughs> I think they're tired about it. So we started to talk about it, and then he said, "Like, why well, you have this British kind of accent?" And then I said, ah, because I lived in Leighton and I work blah, blah. And then we started to talk. And then suddenly he asked about China because I'm very popular in China. He wanted to understand why I'm popular in China because it's a very closed market. Oh, yeah. You don't have much accent. They have their own socials and everything. So I explained to him what's going on. And then suddenly he said, like, you know what? We should do a song. Do you want to remix one of my songs? Like, uh, do you want to produce one of my new songs that I'm doing as a Mick Jagger solo? I said like yes so he got my email and then i was like okay and i told called my dad Said listen i'm gonna do something with mick jagger <laughs> and then he said like oh but what are you gonna do <laughs> because like people can love it or hate it i said like don't worry i'm not in this pressure of that so the next day i was in in vegas for my residency and then it came to my email all the stems the vocals and everything. wow I said, okay, it's starting. So I started to produce. And like, then the same day, I sent it back. So he emailed me say like, hey, I need your phone. So he called me. He like, this is sick. I really liked it. I want to jump in with you in the production. I said, okay, fine. So we did six different versions. Holy shit. And then we got it. It was amazing. We released it. It was great. Got to get a grip. And then when it started the pandemic my uh, my phone ringed out of the blue and was mick jagger calling me and i answered he said like listen we're releasing a new song but now for rolling stones called the ghost town which is very contemporary for the moment that we're living Mm -hmm. and i want would you like to remix this one as well i said like yes i said he said like like we didn't release a song for the last eight years i think i said yeah sure so he sent me the stems and i started to produce And I sent him back and he got very excited again. And he jumped on me on like, on the production side. And it like, and sometimes I had like, I was too busy with my kids because I had my my son in January 2020 and my daughter in December
2: 2020. Well, Well, back to
1: back. (laughs) Because my daughter was premature. Oh my but God. both in the same year, so it was too much going on. The wife pregnant, pregnant. The yeah, kid, I was trying to so do the math on that. That's and, a lot of babies in exactly yeah. a year. Wow. And so he sometimes I I, I have this picture like he called me like four times and I didn't answer. He was like, ah, no, you ignored is Mick is Jagger's <laughs> phone call." Yeah, <laughs> four straight uh, He <laughs> so has anyway, children. He's a dad. And, and then I and then I called and then I called him back. Say, listen, you know, like sorry, like it's just too. Much. I just had the kid, you know. And then and then he told me yes yes i know i just had a kid as well <laughs> what <laughs> yes he just had a kid i didn't know but the, the yeah. kid was one half year old and he has 20 uh, 82. <laughs> so i said like this guy is just amazing and then in in this song we had to do 10 different versions and i have it recorded in a video because i was recording myself producing a new song in the piano and then with my phone here, and I have I have two phones, and then suddenly he calls me, and it's still recording. I said like fuck it, leave it recording. So I get the phone, it's Mick Jagger, and I start to speak with him, and I said, "Listen, now I understand why you did the song. I can get no satisfaction, because you're never satisfied. <laughs> you're in the tenth version, and this is my last try, you know. But you know what was fun? Like he's very into it. He's very perfectionist, and I learned so much with him." 'Cause like I remember that I sent him two versions and he said like I like this one more. It's Ibiza vibes. It's like how I said like, okay, so he's into it. And I understood why he's always so updated. Because he's always looking at the new generation, you know, always looking what's going on. It's not because he's he's the legend that's gonna be there. Remember that we told about oh, yeah. adapting themselves and seeing what's the change in the Dude, world? Dude,
0: that's like the through line to some of the most relevant artists. Ever like, and I can say DJs actually do it the best. Like, David Guetta, Tiesto, like, nobody is more in step and then ahead of like where the world is going than those people. Like, seriously, Tiesto and David Guetta combined are like 350 years old, yet they're still incredibly relevant, the coolest motherfuckers to ever exist, (laughs) and craft hits that are loved by generations that are. As young as freaking ten, and as old as a hundred and ten. Yeah, it's like there's there's nobody like it. So if you want to stay relevant long term and like really play the game in a masterful way, the only way to do it is by like being having your ears open and your mind open to literally everything, and not letting judgment get in the way of any sort of perception.
1: Exactly the the prison, right? And you know it's it's. David Guetta and Tiesto and, and some others like Avicii as well, you yeah. know, those guys, they had such important, um like, work for me because, like, they crossed the barriers between being electronic and being pop. Yes. And this is, like, something that I'm following. So it's kind of like, if I can do what I do nowadays, it's because they did it in the past already and I'm just, you know, I'm following in a different way because you know what I feel that being very honest with you guys like when I when I became the fourth in the world I thought everything would be better and easier but it's the opposite people just start to block me with so many things because they see me like as some someone that maybe it's a threat or something you know it's a competitor or whatever yeah so it was crazy because like you know, I had the feeling that somehow was it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like sometimes you feel that, like, you work hard, you have your idols, and then your idols just become sometimes your enemies. And that's crazy because I don't have enemies because I just wanted them to understand that I'm not here to take anyone's place. I'm here to take what's mine, which is a different. Oh, yeah. I want to occupy a place that's not being occupied. I don't want to do what they do or whatever it is. But uh, I feel like, you know, but in the end, like talking about Chisto and Gita, they are um, two legends for me that, you know, they made a whole difference in the electronic scene. And if I can do what I do nowadays, is because they worked hard for it. Fuck they yeah. and not the many DJs, but as you use, they are as an example. Well, I
0: use those two because they've been relevant for, I mean, decades is an
1: understatement. Like
0: it is, and to give them credit in terms of paving this. EDM meets Pop Root, like, I, I mean, I think David Guetta deserves that crown, 100%. I mean, those records going back to 2010 and before, like, are they're still relevant today. Like, they're timeless beyond. Like, Tiesto, I, I find it amazing that a guy who's been DJing for that long still has the ability, when I think there's no hits left in that motherfucker he churns out a random hit. Like, it it has to be respected. Yeah. Because the traditional pop artist doesn't last that long. Yes. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's very rare that you have a pop artist that came onto the scene 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, and is still creating hits today. Like, to the likes of hitting top fives, number ones, top tens. Am I wrong in that? No. No. I mean, like, a DJ has the ability to do that for so many reasons. And I I do think a lot of it boils down to this, also this concept that, like, when you stand up on stage and you really are met face-to-face with thousands of people, you really feel energy and you understand the impact that a sound has on a person and how that can change the mood of an entire fucking arena instantly. (laughs) Like, you see and you feel and you get a grip on music in a way that's really different and unique. And you see it and you feel it instantly. Like, the second a song is played, it just hits. So, I don't know. What's that like for
2: you? What's that like for you being on stage all by yourself and looking out over a sea of people?
1: You know, um, I always was very introspective in my life. And um, the first time I performed the second time i was playing a party and when i did like this with my hands and came the drop and everyone did like this as well it was the first time i the first time ever in my life that i really connected with people mm. in a way that i didn't had yeah i could express myself through the music so i said like i want to do this for the rest of my life <laughs> I, I i love this connection and then it started to have like you know like it's to be in front of Thousand people, a thousand people. It's just like, for me, I'm very grateful because I know how many parties I played for no one. A lot of party that was like so empty, and then every time I see like huge, like for example in Brazil, like I do on like arena shows, like huge, and I did a free party. We did a free party in Brazil in the New Year's Eve. We put one million people. You have a video on Instagram. I, I mean, I I have oh to God. prove all of the image, so it's on my Instagram. <laughs> I'll show you guys. I have to show you also the llama and the That's monkey.
0: Fucking insane! Uh, a million people. And
1: yeah, one million. You can I don't even know how you get that. Because the government, in. the government is because you put like a lot of barriers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Capacity yeah, yeah. for hundred thousand, hundred thousand, hundred thousand. So you have ten barriers. Holy shit! I mean, I think it honestly it had. Less than one million, I think, like maybe 900 and something. That's a million, bro. It's already one million, (laughs) yeah. And if it had (laughs) 1.1 million, I would say (laughs) (laughs) 200 because it's over a million. But I'm joking, it's like, but you know, I had the duality in my mind because, like, I've been traveling so much, and then I was like complaining about all this traveling. And then I said, Listen, I fight so much to be here playing for so many people. And now I have it, I'm complaining about, it. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. but I understood that it was not about complaining of, of being there. It's just complaining of how tough sometimes is not having a routine or a routine be based on different kind. I went last week. I was five different countries in two weeks, different that, time zones. And how
0: do you balance that with needing to make music and having kids?
1: <laughs> so I will answer for the, the, the second question. Um, I'm suffering a lot, to be honest. Um, I'm homesick. It's like it's every time I spend more than two months, I bring the kids with me. But uh, this one, I couldn't because I'm just like as I said, five countries in two weeks. It's just madness. And I and I've every day I dream with them. Every day I call them. It's just like for me, I'm suffering. I don't know what I'm gonna do. To be honest with you guys, how I'm gonna deal with it because I don't think I'm able to be so far away from them. And then the second thing is like um i i, I have uh, H, H, a age age, hd you know this uh, ADHD. oh yeah i have it yes so it's um i'm super focused in what i like to when but I, what i don't like i'm not so but w- producing something that i'm super focused on so every time i'm an, like for example <laughs> We were now at beyond wonderland mm-hmm. playing this weekend and then the green room i can't remember just before i was doing five mashups because i knew that i had to play something different for the crowd because there is a crowd they didn't want to be surprised and i did and actually the videos that i posted on instagram was the mashup that i just did it so it's kind of like i have this mobility about being inspired in different circumstances and sometimes i just start to do a drop and then I keep it there. And then after it comes some idea and then I get the drop. Or sometimes f- a uh, songwriter send me like idea and I have that drop. So I just fit. So it's kind of like. That's amazing. Yeah. there There's a mess. You know? So many songs that I have. You know.
0: But there is something there. Like I, I've watched DJs do that where they'll literally doctor their set up until the second they go down to yeah. perform.
1: Yeah. And this is a problem that I have with my team. Because mm. my team, they want me to do one set everywhere because no, they can, you can't do that because they can manage to have the proper show everywhere uh-huh. right but I, I, for, I say like I, I played at the same day right Vancouver um La, Vegas and San Bernardino all the sets even though it was in US <laughs> it was totally different because Vancouver is a club with laser and stuff right. it's different. Uh, Vegas is a beach club. It's, it's awesome. totally different yeah, it's vibe. Vegas. It's you know, and you don't have effects and stuff. You can't play songs that are you know too much. And then the San Bernardino is a festival where you're sharing the stage with many artists. You play only for one hour. You want to surprise people. You have to be more dynamic, and so it was totally different. Even though. You can see my personality there, but when I go to China, Dubai, Thailand, all those places I've been, I don't even remember now uh, France and Brazil, every place is a totally different set, like not totally but at least fifty percent no
0: elements need to be different, it's a different crowd, different atmosphere, but also oh, those yeah. sets live on the internet forever, and all those like remixes could take on a new life
1: like you know i'll tell i'll I'll do like i'll I'll put a point here from the u s um, perspective that i've realized okay some some u.s artists um djs whatever djs they go to brazil for example i can say it's brazil and they think that what they do in u.s and works very well here won't work will there. necessarily work in brazil yeah. because they're u.s and what happens in u.s goes to the world but what happened in the world doesn't go to u.s mm-hmm. but that's not true so when they go to Brazil and they try to do this US style there, it just flops so much. And what's happening is that like, we had a very big economic crisis in Brazil. The dollar was too expensive, so we couldn't afford to bring the international DJs anymore. So it gave space to our local DJs to raise, and How that's where deal. I raised. <laughs> and um, nowadays, to those international acts come to Brazil, they have to adapt their sound design to what we want to listen to.
0: But that's like, I I believe in that sort of marketplace through and through because it gives opportunity to local talent to really flourish and it it just is representative of the community and the culture. And from there, it has the ability to be exported, which then teaches people about what's going on in these countries in a way that like very few pieces of culture can. And then also like, I think that also increases competition for outside of like like any sort of other acts, Western acts, if they want to go there to Brazil, they need to step up their fucking game because by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, Brazil's one of the only places in the world where you can play to like fifty to eighty thousand people
1: yeah. in a
0: single arena,
1: yeah you can do the uh
0: rock and Rios like a hundred thousand fucking uh, you, people or something
1: you can, you can do uh two shows of eighty thousand a day yeah, that's crazy night, yeah
0: that's crazy you're never getting access to people. Like you, that, you know, right? the world.
1: we have 230 million, right? Damn, and I've, I've, for example, I've heard that in, in London, you, it's like eight or nine percent of people they go to parties, right? They're, they're like, how you say, hardcore, tech, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. In Brazil, I would say that this number is 92 percent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> everyone parties, everyone.
1: It's cultural. We have carnival, yeah. we have like many specific events. So, and I feel also that. Like, the governments and stuff, like, like, to please people, they'll do a lot of parties. So, we have many, many parties all the time in Brazil. It's called a distraction. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind it's of. sad, but it's true. Yeah, and I, I think that they really deserve this distraction distraction because, like, the people in Brazil, they suffer st- so totally. much, you know. It's, it's, it's hard. And it's like, but we're always happy. You know, we're always, like, in a good mood. And the Brazil, there's two Brazils there's the 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 Brazil of Rio de Janeiro São Paulo like this bubble that and there's a real Brazil which is all the other places and uh, where like we have a lot of challenge to deal with no
0: they deal with a lot
1: yeah it, but, but they, yeah it's people really love to party so that's why we <laughs> do many huge shows but there's,
0: you know? there's also a great deal of respect a lot of like when Pop stars or Western artists do go to Brazil, it's never like forgotten about and Come the, to Brazil. the people of Brazil really appreciate <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. We do. As As we said, like sometimes, like the way it was like built, like some build up, like uh, in our mindset is like, as we said, like, ah, uh, we are inferior and this and that and blah, blah. So, you know, when someone comes here and we appreciate and stuff. But, you know, I think. Things are changing because now honestly with this decentralization of the um vehicles of communication right now for example beforehand you only had that main media sending you information and now we are consuming our own ecosystem so brazil became a very strong you know like kind of decentralized, decentralized um, um, place that we have our own kind of you know what I mean we consume yeah. our own and it's it's changing a lot so I'm proud yeah Brazil it's you know what I mean like as I said like if you if someone goes there he has to adapt himself to our style because we, we Nuts. yeah
0: you have to eat. what we do here is not going to work there because it's a totally different world but also isn't that respect like you go into somebody's house and you take off their shoes their <laughs> shoes right yeah I think that's a problem that we face a lot of times and we're gonna wrap this up. But you should listen to all of Alok's music. Did I say that right? Yeah. Fuck yeah! That's all on Amazon Music. There is going to be a link in the description below. I didn't say it right, Carlos.
1: It's it's a-loc. right. Alok, everything is right. Alok, I am telling you, it's all right. It's because like when I say Alok, people in Brazil, my they understand Aloki. If I say Alok, they don't get it. But it's Alok. It, so. Alok. For example, a- a- there was one. You know, Steve Aoki. Yeah. yeah. So he was in a, he were in a hotel in, in, in Salvador and I was in the same hotel and my wife, she went there said, so like, I'm going to Aloki room. And then she gave the room of Shivayoki. Uh, <laughs> so she went to the room, he, she opened the door. He was naked. Oh my bed. God. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and the first beginning, she, she, first, she when she opened, she was like, like, first, like, a girl, a man, what is it? You know what I mean? Because, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's long, long
0: hair. Long
1: hair, and she was expecting to look at me, and there was, like, someone with long hair, but she was, and then she was like, what's going on? But Aoki, ah, okay, Aoki, ah, you know? <laughs> so that's why I tried to do aok People will get it, you know? aok Because it doesn't really, like, it doesn't matter if I am in a worldwide, the fourth biggest DJ in the world, and, very big, and in different countries, I, I have my roots in Brazil. And I want, you know, to make my people f- proud of it. So that's why I always think about them in everything that I do.
0: And it shows. Please, support this human being's music. You've heard it already, <laughs> but listen to it. We're gonna put a link in the description below for all of it.
2: Thoughts? Uh, one last question. You mentioned quick, uh briefly, that you are the four- ranked f- the fourth biggest DJ in the world. Truth. Does getting the number one spot, is that important to you?
1: So, I was in another ayahuasca ceremony and it came the answer like it doesn't matter if you're number one or not what matters is to do things that matters Mm -hmm. and then i said like yes so it's kind of i i don't have the pressure about being number one but i have the pressure about doing things that can you know make this world a better place and i'll give you an example like i was having some Bad thoughts bad feeling bad thoughts about like everything wrong in the world you know like the war and Ukraine and Russia and like and just connecting with you know bad news and I was like depressed and I also lost a, a very good friend on a plane accident she was a very famous singer in Brazil all the same time so I was like living in a very kind of depressed depression and then i I had a um I had a I was sick right. So I took the antibiotic, and the next day I woke up way better. So I looked at the medicine and I said, like, "Wow, who created this?" And I remember that there were a lot of human beings working hard so that we could have a better life nowadays. and I want to be part of this movement. I want to be part of the movement that people like work hard so this planet can be a better place. And that's why you know I do what I do. And to become number one, it would only make sense if I could keep doing what I meant to do.
0: But success isn't determined by ranking. It's about what you can do to better the world that we all share.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: The best type of motive. Listen to his music. (laughs) Link in the description below. I really appreciate you giving us your
1: time and energy today. It's my pleasure.
0: I hope our interview didn't feel like uh, we were, you
2: know...
1: It, it it seems like I know you guys for a while. <laughs> That's
2: look at us. I mean, what does he look like though with his blonde hair? It's new. I got it dyed yesterday. Do we like it? Yes, I do. Thank you.
1: My but my twin brother he did this, and after that, like he had his hair going. How you say oh, when you when you lose your hair? Oh my God, bald! <laughs> Be careful. You're gonna Jesus
0: go bald. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Yo, hello, <Oleg>, everybody. <laughs>
2: <Thanks for that. laughs>